Good evening, church. I don't know how you guys got so lucky or unlucky, however you choose to think about it. Uh, <laughs> I may not be as eloquent as Andy. I may not have the, uh, the wisdom of, of a Don Foy, uh, but I do serve a risen Savior that uh, has blessed me, uh, and I'm excited to just dig into his word tonight and to share what he's put on my heart. So uh, we'll start with the word of prayer, uh, and then we'll dig in. Our Father in heaven, we approach your throne just grateful for the day that you've given us, grateful for another opportunity just to open your word and and see what it has to say to us. Father, we pray that uh, you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have in store for us uh, so that we can apply it to our lives. Father, we love you. Uh, We're grateful for your son, Jesus, uh, and we offer this prayer in his name. Amen. All right, so tonight... um, the plan is to look at the feeding of the 5,000. Um, so I figured since there was an account of this in all four Gospels, then it must be a pretty big deal. Um, so I hope that we can look at this passage here in Matthew and pull out uh, three examples uh, to, put into our, to put in place for our walk in Christ. Uh, one example that Jesus has set for us, one example that Jesus does for us, And lastly, uh, something that we need to do. Uh, So, like I said, we'll be in Matthew uh, chapter 14, if you want to turn there with me. Um, We'll camp out in verses 13 through 21. Uh, But first, I want to give you a little background uh, leading up to this miraculous feast. Um, So, um, at the end of Matthew 13, uh, basically, Jesus goes back home. Uh, to do Jesus things. Uh, He goes to preach, uh, teach, and heal. Uh, And basically, um, you know, scripture says that initially they were astonished, uh, and then they began to ask him all kinds of questions. Not necessarily the the normal questions, uh, but just some doubtful questions, and ultimately they rejected him, uh, and he left. Uh, When I think about that, it kind of comes to me that, um, you know, think about the last time you had some exciting news that you want to share with someone, uh, whether that's um, something good that happened to you at work or at school or something like that. And, you know, you're going through all day and you're just waiting to get home just to share it with like a spouse or uh, a roommate, a parent or something like that. And when you do, uh, when you get home, you finally get there to tell that person what it is, that, that good news that you have. They start asking you questions, but it's not necessarily the... Um, it's not this, this the inquisitive, like, oh, you know, excited questions. It, it's excitement, but it's a, it's a doubtful excitement. It's almost like a, uh, I don't know about this. Like, this sounds amazing, but uh, you sure it's, this is, you did this? Or, you know, just, uh, uh, just doubt. I feel like that would hurt. I know if it was me and I tried to approach my spouse or my parents or something like that, and they, you know, questioned me doubtfully, I'd be a little hurt. Uh, so I think... I feel like this, Jesus had to have been hurt. I feel like uh, it's pretty much the same thing because these are people that he grew up with. These are people that he knew intimately. These are people that he actually did life with. Uh, and that I'm sure that he was excited to go home and, and to share this with them. And, and they rejected him. So he had to have been hurt. Uh, and then when you move into chapter 14, right there in the beginning, it talks about uh, Herod and uh, he, how he killed John the Baptist, uh, not just... Uh, normal, I mean, I guess no killing is normal, but uh, it's just, it was 
particularly brutal, you know, beheaded, put, delivered his head on a platter. Uh, so that, again, uh, that's, you know, you hear that saying, when it rains, it pours. I feel like that's what Jesus was going through, right? <laughs> I mean, first, you know, he gets rejected from his hometown. Then he comes, he finds out that someone that, um, that he was probably closer than close to, I mean, from, from scripture, you get the, get the idea that they knew each other in the womb. You know what I mean? Uh, so I feel like that's, they, they were just close. Probably the earliest recorded, uh, script, the earliest recorded friendship, I would say. Uh, and then, not only that, but if you think about this for a minute, um, most of these, most of you guys in here, you've accepted Christ, you've been baptized. Think about if, and you know, that was probably one of the most defining, uh, moments of your walk in Christ. It's just that moment you were baptized. Think about if the person that baptized you, which was most likely from some of the stories that I've heard, uh, someone that was a significant person in your life. Just find, what if you found out that they had been, they had been killed that way, you know? I mean, that rocks your world. I mean, that would rock my world. Uh, so that's when we, uh, that's when we finally make it basically to this, to this story. Um, I think Jesus was hurt. He was hurting. He was hurting in a lot of ways. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and read verses 13 and 14 um, in chapter four, Matthew chapter 14. It says, uh, now when Jesus heard this about uh, the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Again, Jesus was hurting. I mean, he was hurting. Uh, he wanted to be comforted by the Father. That's what I feel like. Uh, he wanted to be alone. <laughs> uh, it, you know, in a, in a way, it's comforting for me to, to, to see examples in Scripture uh, when you really start digging into it that where Jesus feels the same emotions that we feel and you know like some of those deep raw emotions that sometimes we just don't know how to express or even how to deal with um but in the in the middle of all this he tries to go out to the middle of nowhere to be alone and he can't get away from this crowd um they followed him out in the middle of nowhere uh so for me i think about if you think about a crowded tech basketball game you know, it's probably about that many people, you know, and um, so really all while he's alone trying to pray, what does he do? It, scripture says that he has compassion, uh, that he teaches, that he heals. Um, and t- the first thing that really stands out to me, uh, is it possible that this compassion that Jesus showed others while he was hurting, while he was reeling, uh, was healing for himself? Is it possible that intentional compassion in times when we are hurting can be healing? So from that, I think that comes to my first example from Jesus. If we're to follow Jesus' example, we are called to be compassionate in the times when we're hurting the most. It's not an easy thing to hear. It's not an easy thing for me to even say. Uh, and it's even harder to do. Uh, but I feel like, you know, really when you think about it, it's clear that that's what Jesus did here because he was hurt. Um, and I think when you think about that, the types of hurt, I mean, the rejection that he was experiencing, uh, rejection alone, uh, 
is super difficult to deal with from whoever. Uh, and then when you, because we all want to be accepted. I mean, just bottom line, we all want to be accepted. Then also when you think about losing someone that's close to you, that's devastating in itself. But you throw both of those together, um, I, I feel like for me, I just, I don't know how I would handle it. I know that it, it would be devastating, but I don't know how compassionate I would be. Let's put it that way. But in the face of one of the, in the face of both of those, Jesus was compassionate. Uh, so if we're to follow Jesus, that's what we got to be. We have to be the most compassionate when we're in the most pain. Uh, then what happens? Let's read on. This verses 15. I'll read 15 through 21. So. Uh, It says, now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away, um, send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, and he, and he said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves, and he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. I don't know. It could just be me. It could just be my, my, my view. But seems like the disciples did not have nearly the same compassion uh, that Jesus did in this moment. <laughs> um, and I mean, I, I could probably relate a little bit. I mean, I, so I thought about it. And I, you know, I think about if I were a part of that multitude that was seeking Jesus there. First, you know, I saw him get into a boat. Uh, so I saw where he was going and I ran to find him. I ran to chase that boat. All right. So I don't know if any of you all have ever been on a cruise. Uh, so cruise ships, uh, when they're about to leave a port of call, uh, it don't wait for nobody. <laughs> it don't wait for nobody. If you hear that horn blowing, you better book it. Cause if you don't, you're going to get left behind. Uh, so and one of my favorite things, I say favorite, but I always, I always get a kick out of whenever we get back on the ship and I get on the top deck, and I just look down at the dock, and I hear the horn, and then you just look. And it never fails that someone is frantically running down the dock trying to catch this ship before it, before it leaves them. And there's always someone that gets left. And I'm sure that if you get left somewhere in, in some, we'll say, foreign land, uh, it would be devastating. I mean, you know, that would be a life-changing event, I would think. For me, that would be a life-changing event. Um, so I imagine this multitude running to catch up with Jesus, catch up with the boat that Jesus was on, like the people trying to catch that cruise ship, <laughs> because they knew it was going to be a life-changing experience. Uh, they they wanted to catch up that they wanted to catch up with their boat, and they did, you know. Um, and then, um, but they're in the middle of nowhere when they catch up with this boat. But you know, and after all that running. Uh, then after hearing Jesus teach and being a part of healing all day long, they were tired. I mean, I would have been tired. Uh, and I'm sure they were getting a little anxious, you know. Uh, prop the crowd, they probably started to get a little hangry, you know. Uh, and I, don't act like y'all, you guys don't know what it's like to get a little hangry after a long day, uh, you know. 
after a long sermon and there's a meal waiting in the fellowship center, you know, I think people start squirming a little bit. I know because I remember when I looked around, Willie Franklin was here. He had some people squirming around, you know, ready to eat. <laughs> um, but I'm sure it was way worse than that. Uh, and really, at that point, it sounds like the disciples, they were over. They were over the crowd. Uh, they were just, they wanted to get away too, you know. Um, and I can hear them like, hey, Jesus, uh, you know, it's getting kind of late. The sun's going down. Uh, you know, we're out here in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing out here. And, uh, you know, why don't you send these crowds away so they can go get something to eat and, you know, just kind of get about, get out of our hair, you know. But Jesus, being Jesus, you know, always flipping things on their head, on, on its head, he tells them, um, he says, they don't need to go anywhere. You give them something to eat. And in my mind at that moment, uh, they look up, they look at Jesus. They look at, that, they look at the food that they have, the five loaves and two fish. They look at the crowd, and they're just kind of like, this ain't going to add up. Like, we got, we got to have something else, right? Um, it ain't going to work. So for me, I can kind of relate to that a little bit. Uh, you know, the first time that I went to go put some, some icing on some cinnamon rolls for, for this little thing that we do on the side. Uh, you know, we have these cinnamon rolls, just fresh baked, ready to be frosted. My beautiful wife, she hands me this little bag of frosting. And I look at the bag of frosting, and I, and I look at the two pans of cinnamon rolls, and I'm like, this ain't going to cut it, you know? <laughs> we got to do something else. Like, where's, where's the rest of it, you know? Uh, so she looks at me, grabs the bag, give it here, and she just, you know, spreads it, and it makes it all work, you know? And it's funny how, you know, um, when you have, it's funny when you have, uh, in, my, in my hands, that bag of icing and those cinnamon rolls, I probably couldn't make it work. But, you know, in the same icing, same cinnamon rolls, different hands, it's amazing what, you, what can happen when you give people, when you give things to people who know what they're doing. So the disciples, they looked at this bread and fish, like I looked at that bag of icing. They looked at the crowd, like I looked at those cinnamon rolls. And they thought, just like I did, we need some more. This ain't going to work. Uh, and Jesus, he looked at the disciples just like my wife did to me. She looked at me and said, just give it here. Just give it to me. Boom. 5,000 men fed. You could argue 5,000 families fed. We're not really given specifics, but that's kind of the general idea that I get, uh, which brings me to the second point, which isn't really foreign at all uh, to you guys. Jesus can do so much more with what we have uh, than we can. He can do so much more with your time, with your energy, your focus, your gifts, with your life. He can do so much more with what we have than what we can do with it. Uh, he's sitting there just patiently saying, give it to me. Just give it to me. Uh, and so that he can do what he does. Um, really, when I started thinking about this, I, I thought about the the vision that we've been presented with, you know, love and disciple and the discipleship goals that we have, that we've been presented, uh, you know, by the elders and by the ministers. And 
I mean, you know, I'll say I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a small portion of me that, th that thought there ain't no way. Um, but here's the thing. If, we, if it's something that we try to do, uh, we can't reach it. With our own flawed ways, our tendencies, we don't stand a chance, especially in today's culture with how everything is. Um, but I do know a Savior that can. I know that uh, he isn't necessarily um, asking us to do it, that he wants to do it through us. Uh, I know that he can uh, because Jesus can do so much more with what we have than we can do. We just have to give it to him and do what he says. Uh, if you have doubts about the vision, I'm sure Jesus is looking at you just like he looked at disciples that day, saying, just saying, just give it to me. But, you know, the story doesn't end uh, with people being fed. Uh, I'll go back to uh, verse 20. He said, uh, and they all ate and they were satisfied. And they looked up and they, and they took up 12 baskets full of, full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate, those who ate were about 5,000 men besides the women and children. They were satisfied and there was some left over, which brings me to my last point. Uh, if you choose to eat the bread of life that Jesus offers, you will be satisfied. Because Jesus is offering a supply of spiritual nourishment that cannot be exhausted by man. He, al he always has more left to give if you want it. He wants us to get our feel of him. Uh, he wants us to be satisfied. Thing is, we have to choose to eat what he's offering. Uh, if, when we don't eat the bread of life that Jesus offers, offers I think we have the tendency to get hangry, uh, you know, spiritually, spiritually hangry, not physically hangry, you know, like the Snickers commercials, I guess. Um, when you're physically hangry, you know, you're just not yourself. You know, you're, you turn into Betty White or somebody, right? Uh, but when you're spiritually hangry, you're 1,000% yourself. You are yourself. Uh, all your human qualities take precedent over all the things above. You seek desires of your own heart instead of desires of God's heart. And I can tell you from personal experience, it will not satisfy you, and it does run out. Uh, so you look, you left looking for more uh, of something that, does, that doesn't have any ability to sustain you or fill you up. But when we choose the bread of life, known as Jesus, we will be satisfied. Uh, it's not a one-time meal. Uh, he has an infinite supply of spiritual nourishment uh, just waiting for us to enjoy. So, you know, the thing is we have to choose daily to eat it. You know, we have to choose daily to partake of that bread of life. Um, and when we do, I mean, it's so much more, really, than we can ever imagine. Uh, but we have to take the step to eat. Uh, uh, you know, steady diet of prayer and uh, meditation in God's word. Um, so really, so we don't get spiritually hangry, so that we don't rely on ourselves, so that we rely on Jesus. Um, so really, um, I don't know where you are tonight. I don't know if... You're following Jesus, uh, but not eating the bread. I don't know if you're spiritually hangry or not. Uh, if you are, uh, it's most likely you, you have some type of sin going on. Uh, when we sin, Christ hurts uh, flat out. Uh, and we're apart from Christ, he hurts. 
The scripture shows examples like we've seen tonight where uh, even when he's hurting, he has compassion. He has compassion towards us. Uh, He knows that we need him, uh, and he's here for us, uh, just waiting, gently saying, give it to me. Maybe you've never eaten the bread of life that Jesus offers and you're spiritually hangry, uh, but you just don't even realize it. Uh, We can change that. Jesus wants you, and he can do so much more with your life, uh, with our lives, uh, than what we can do on our own. So uh, we want to offer that opportunity to confess that Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth and died for the forgiveness of our sins and to be baptized into him. Eat the, life of, eat the bread of life that Jesus offers so you can be satisfied too. I know that um, he's here for us, and uh, I know that we dedicate our lives to him, uh, that he'll give us, he'll provide us nourishment that, uh, that cannot be exhausted. So if you have any needs tonight, uh, anything at all, just uh, stand, while we, stand while we sing.